Virginia wins the championship for the coronavirus 2020. 2020, we're the champions. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, no corona. Wash your hands, meth man. Nope, it was moth man. Meth man is the guy that tried to... Well, look, honestly, if he broke in my house and he was on my porch, I'm already <laughs> immune to this because he was dirty as fuck. I just came back from North Carolina and this guy in a diner said that the reason West Virginia doesn't have it is because Mothman <laughs> keeps us safe because we give him our... Um, sacrifices? He sa- We give sacrifices to the Mothman. What am I sacrificing? Not going outside? I do that on my own all the time. I don't know. What are we sacrificing? What? Pepperoni rolls. Should we give him pepperoni rolls? We, we just launch him into the sky with balloons, like when it's a funeral, and it's like what? You, when you when you want to send balloons to heaven, is that a thing? Get off the floor! <laughs> no, we just tie pepperoni rolls to the balloon and we send him up to the sky. A Mothman who's just kind of flapping by, and he's like, "Ooh, pepperoni roll!" And then we send him out and do to wash it down. No. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, honestly, the only reason we don't have it is we lived through the water crisis of 20... What was it? 2014? 2012. No. I was pregnant. She was born in 2014. I don't know. Sure. Okay. Well, either way, we lived through that. So if there was ever anything, we're pickled from the inside at this point. But, yeah. So I pe- don't know why everybody's freaking out so much. I don't either. My ex was way more toxic and inside way more people. <laughs> we should be afraid of him. Let's quarantine him. You got toilet paper? You good? Oh, yeah. Come girl. to my trunk, girl. I got, I'll sell you a toilet paper for a hundred bucks. I actually saw one on our West Virginia, like, marketplace, the way yeah. you sell stuff. Yeah. And somebody's like, oh, it was a four pack for 20 bucks. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're good. I have three bathrooms. We stock for each floor. And I'm not saying we, we're not hoarders. We don't buy toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, keep it all. We literally buy 20 packs at a time so that we don't have to go shopping often. Yeah. And I ran out and bought Scott, which apparently is the devil's toilet paper, which I didn't know. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I bought a bunch of toilet paper, so we're good. And Eric's like, I'm not wiping my asshole with that. <laughs> and I was like, well, why not? It's, I knew what it was. And he was like, it's like a cat licking your butt. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so... He runs out and gets another 20 or 30 pack of Charmin. So now we have like 50 rolls of toilet paper. Good. And then I went to the dollar store and they're sold out of everything but, guess what? Fucking Scott. (laughs) So there's Scott toilet paper and I'm staring at it like, am I the only one who doesn't give a fuck what I put against my ass? I don't care either. I mean, honestly, if it came down to it, I've been drunk in like fields (laughs) before. Oh no. And I pee. And then you're like... Okay, so you just squat a little bit. You let your your little booty hole touch the grass a little. You shake it. No. And then you get back up. No! Okay. It's nature's toilet paper. Welcome, new listeners from around the world. <laughs> Let's about murder. Listen, if they binge the first eight episodes at this point, they fucking know what it's about. <laughs> they know to have low expectations and that it's going to be very offensive and that Dominique is not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I laugh at my own jokes to the point where I, I send myself an asthma attacks. I think I'm funny. So, yeah. Corona. <laughs> they're quarantining us at work, and they're basically getting one person that knows how to do each thing, and then so if half of us dies off, the rest of us can still work. At least they're quarantining you guys. They're just making us sit back to back. <laughs> There's five of us in a room, and our backs are facing to each other, so we just don't breathe in the same direction. <laughs> 
Awful. I think I already, I already, like the flu episode, I'm pretty sure that should have been the corona episode. I think I already had it. Everyone's had it here. It's yeah. just they didn't test for it. We didn't have the, we didn't know, and the media didn't blow it up yet. And then they were like, huh, there's a respiratory infection going around that sounds a lot like the flu. And then you took the flu test, and, and it said negative. Yeah, but she was like, but you totally have it. You have the... Look, they're not even, in West Virginia. Don't let them lie to you. We're not the last ones to get it. We're probably the first. They're just not testing it. So here's what happens. You go in and you say, I have a sore throat and a cough and I'm kind of feeling like crap. They just go, you've got the coronavirus. Go home. So here's what I'm going to need you to do, Taylor. You might have the coronavirus. I need you to cough into my mouth. <laughs> and then I'm going to go in and tell them that a girl that not only traveled out of state, but probably has a coronavirus, coughed in my mouth. And they're just going to write me off of work for two weeks. And then I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Open up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then I'm just going to stay home for two weeks and enjoy my life. You need two weeks off. I need to get caught up on murders. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but then you would not. You'd be like, so my intention was to research murder, but then I finally caught up on the last three seasons of Shameless. I read a book. <laughs> I painted a a picture, you know, the, the painting you've been owing for me for like five years that I wanted. Oh, yeah. One where the ladybug crossed yeah. through it in his little feet print. I would just sit on my ass and play games and pretend that I did work. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I could just not research for weeks and be fine. Yeah. I just don't even have one to do today, so. We're still going to put one out next week. We just have to record it last minute and hope you can <laughs> edit it in time. Get ready for them bloopers, bitch. Yeah. I've got like seven murders done, but. And that's just because if, if something happens, I want to be caught up. Yeah. And I want to offer you a murder and be like, you can Mm-mm. do mine. But I'm so physically attached to them at this point that I would literally be crying and be like, this is my murder, I bitch. Would, I would never. I would never take one of your murders. Why even? I was like, we should just put out a thing. I was like, do the coronavirus. People are being quarantined. We probably shouldn't be out. And you're like, no, I have a commitment. And I'm like, god damn it. The show must go on. And I'm three cups deep into wine. Oh, poor you. (laughs) Oh, poor me. How dare I be drunk on a Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) So are we good? Do you want to actually start this murder thing? Yeah, it's real sad. So let's get in the zone. All right. Hold on. Let me get really sad. Gabriel Fernandez documentary. No. Yep, I'm sad now. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll stop it. We can go pee and do our break and come back because Dom has to pee this wine out. <laughs> Ew. That's why I don't have the corona. I'm pickled from the inside at this point. Ew! Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So my murder is local. It happened nearby. So you ha- better do it good or people are going to show up at your door. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, I've got some tea from some peoples that went to school with them or went to the funerals and stuff, but I can't tell you because it is disrespectful and it's not our place to accuse family members who are innocent for being, we don't know how people grieve, but I'm just saying, I got tell me a hundred percent. I'm going to spill the tea all over this table. Just not on this podcast. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. And also I feel like I'm going to be sad. So I'm nervous. This one isn't as dark as some of the other ones I've covered or the ones I'm covering in the future. Sorry. Uh, okay. Okay. You ready? Well, look, I've had three glasses of wine now. I'm just trying to pretend I'm not drunk, but we all know that I am. Um, I should probably also say this. There's no Wikipedia. There's no Murderpedia. All this information is shit I got from, like, literally going through every news article we have ever put out in our area. Mm -hmm. And then interviewing people I know who went to school with her or who were friends with her. Yeah. So, 
if it sounds like I don't have a lot of information, it's because I literally don't have information. Yeah. And then I had to go to Web Sleuth. That's where you get really valid information, huh? <laughs> um, you guys, somebody sneezed on her once 13 years ago. That guy probably wanted to kill her. That's how it went. I'm like, no. So, okay. Leah Nicole Hickman was born November 22nd, 1986 in Leon, West Virginia to Sherry Russell and a Mason County assessor named Ron Hickman. She was her mother's second child, but her father's first. So she was like the apple of his eye. Their relationship is ridiculously cute. Her parents divorced when Leah was about eight. So Ron Hickman, her dad, was first elected as a Mason County Assessor in 1996 when Leah was just 10. So she stayed involved in her dad's career through her whole life, and she frequently attended dinners and other functions. So like, she looked forward to using his lessons from journal her lessons from journalism to bolster her family's campaign. So oh, that's she was cool. yeah. So she was in this program, and she was like wanting to be a journalist. So she went to her dad's dinners and luncheons, and was like, "I'm gonna report on it for you, Daddy." Oh, that's cool. So cute. Their relationship is the best father daughter. I adore it. So Leah's early education took place at Ohio Valley Christian School, and you probably know how to say that better than I do. Dallas Police, Ohio. Before she went on to graduate from Christ Academy in Point Pleasant. Why is Point Pleasant important? Mothman! Mothman! Ooh, ooh. <laughs> when, um, is, when is the Mothman Festival? September. So we're going to go, right? We're going to set up a booth? Is that a question? No, it's a statement. We're going? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. We'll be like, hey, guys, I'm going to call somebody and see if we can get a booth. Just, just do it. That would be awesome, though. Yeah. We could do an episode of Mothman, even though it's not true crime. It's true crime adjacent. People yeah. died due to neglect of a bridge, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And Mothman is life. <laughs> Is he? I mean... Well, when Jordan comes down in May, I'm taking him to Point Pleasant, and we're going to the Mothman Museum, the Mothman statue, a Mothman sighting at an old mine, like, landmine bunker, and then there's a restaurant there that has, like, Mothman, like, inspired foods. Oh, that's cool. It's I've like never even the Mothman been... Club sandwich. You know, I've never been to Point Pleasant. Me neither. Hmm. That's why I'm so excited to go. I'm like, let's do it. And yeah. then I also painted Mothman. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm not, I'm not even from West Virginia, but I fully embrace Mothman as my lord and savior. <laughs> oh. Do you have a moment to talk about Mothman? Nope. No? Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, he's the only reason we don't have the coronavirus. So while in high school, she played the trumpet in the band and was a member of the dance team and performed in the bell choir. Apparently, it's this little choir where they just chime bells. <gasps> I've seen those. I did not, and I had to Google it. Oh, I didn't even know that was actually a thing. Yeah, well, she did it. Hmm. And apparently, she was good at it. So Leah was described as thoughtful, caring, and loyal, the type of young woman who had no enemies and would call into work even if she was going to be five minutes late. Yeah. Like, you just show up with Starbucks and you're like, there was traffic, I don't care. <laughs> and they're like, where'd you get the Starbucks? You're like, that's not your business. I had it at home. <laughs> I have a Starbucks machine. Don't judge me. So she would be like, I'm going to be, I might, I may be five minutes late. Yes. She, that's the type of person she was. She's very punctual, very caring. Um... She, let's see, she was a loving individual who cared about people, and she liked to help people. She had a really giving heart. She was full of life and worked towards her goal of being a television news reporter. Um, she's also kind of looks like she could be related to me. Have I shown you photos of her? Mm-mm. I feel like she could be my cousin. <gasps> she's just so cute. Be, okay, so you're cute? No, well, I am. <laughs> you're like, I'm so cute, and she's Some so cute. Some days, I'm cute. Um, you always cute, boo. Look, that's her right there. Oh, yeah. Look. Yep, you could be related. We could be related. Hmm. It freaked me out a little bit. Okay. 
Um, all right, here we go. At the time of her disappearance, Leah was only 21 years old, and she was a Marshall University student. Uh, what's her? Thundering Heart. Yeah, that's what it is. Studying broadcast journalism. So she was actually in a mass communications program mm -hmm. with a couple people that I work with and stuff. So that's how I got a lot of information. They were all in the same program. Yeah. She, she lived at 403 8th Avenue with her 25-year-old half-sister, which was her mom's first daughter, Jessica Vickers, about two blocks away from campus. The two girls had been roommates since the fall of 2006, and they had been living together for about a year at this point. Friends and family said Leah had initially just wanted her own place, but she agreed to stay with Jessica to help her with rent while her boyfriend was deployed. So Jessica, her sister, and that guy ended up breaking up, so Leah just stayed behind to help. Like, yeah. She really, she wanted her own place, and she's like, well, if she needs me, I'll pay rent. And then mm -hmm. she was like, well, now I have to stay here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how, the kind of person she is. She yeah. put what she wanted aside to help her sister make sure her sister can pay rent. Because we know that apartments in Huntington are not cheap. Especially two blocks from campus. Yeah, because it's a, it's a college town. They yeah. jack the rent up. And they have a Disney store. So, that's what I'm there for. <laughs> uh, well, we had one. They took it away. So, we yeah. have to drive to Huntington. We're coordinating where we are. Um, <laughs> Jessica would later recall that it was an interesting time period in which they actually kind of grew closer. The two siblings had separate lives, but they still found time for each other. And Jessica remembered they watched scary movies and cuddled up close. And they were best friends, and they had Sunday breakfast at Bob Evans, if that's not the most West Virginia cute thing ever. <laughs> and then they had late night trips. I'm wearing a Bob Evans! <laughs> I love you like biscuits and gravy, Bob Evans. I'm wearing a Bob Evans t-shirt. Okay, so they would go to Bob Evans, and are you ready for the most West Virginia thing to do? Late night trips to Walmart to hang out. Oh, yeah. And then, the, of course, those 2 a.m. Taco Bell visits. <laughs> and that's, if people from not West Virginia are listening, because I know you are, because we see you guys on our stats, West Virginia is very small. We mm -hmm. don't have a lot to do. People actually drive their big lifted trucks to Walmart at 2 a.m. and hang out in the parking lot. That's all That's there is not a to joke. do. They drink moonshine mixed with Mountain Dew. <laughs> I don't know about they all They blare John Denver. <laughs> they don't. Tyler Childers. <laughs> yeah, they probably do that. Okay. And they literally hang out in the back of their pickup trucks at Walmart. And I know this because when I lived in Calhoun County, they did it. And you lived in Roan County. I and did you, it. You did do it. <laughs> I did it in Nicholas County and Roan County. Yeah, so don't tell me that they don't do it. Oh, girl. I was parking lot life from the time I was 16 <laughs> to like 20. I hung out in graveyards. Oh. I was a golf girl. I'm like, <laughs> everyone's hanging out at Wal Walmart eating pepperoni rolls, drinking Mountain Dew, spikes at moonshine, and I'm in a graveyard like, no one understands me but my chemical romance. I'm going to write a poem and do gravestone rubbing. By yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, to have friends meant I had to talk to people back then, so. And I was not about that. I'm like, listen, dear dead Bethany, help me do my eyeliner to look like a raccoon. Oh, God. I looked like the Undertaker. My dad used to call me Alice Cooper. Oh, cute. Cute nickname, Dad. <laughs> my dad would be like, hey, school out for summer? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the sisters enjoyed watching TV shows like America's Next Top Model, Friends, and Arrested Development. All right. So now we're going to get into the dark stuff. This is just pretty much what they did. They were close. They were sisters. They lived together. And they bonded. Yeah. All right. Leah was last seen alive on December 14th, 20... Nope, 2007. I was about to say 2027, but we're not there yet. And we're probably not going to make it if this coronavirus... So when was it? It was December 14th, 2007. It was actually the last day that classes were taking break, uh, taking part before winter break went on. 
Um, so then at 4 p.m., she was seen by her sister, Jessica, as Jessica left the apartment to go back to work. So I'm going to get into a timeline later and explain that a little more. Okay. Um, so Jessica said the last time she spoke to her sister was just like any other time. Um, so I quote, I was here at the door. I said, see you, sister, just like I'd done a hundred times. And then I left the apartment and that was the last. Um, so she was reported missing Sunday by first by her mother, Sherry Russell, and then by her father, Ronald Hickman, after she failed up to show up for her shift at the local dress barn on Saturday night. I didn't know what the dress barn was either. Really? Yeah, I have to look up all this stuff. I don't go out. <laughs> all right. So Jessica, her sister, said... Later on, she quoted, telling ABC News, I came by, her car was there. Everything looked normal, except with the exception of her purse and keys were just lying there. At the time, I thought maybe she left with a friend for a couple minutes. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So, but calls to Leah's phone, um, which was the only thing that was actually missing from the apartment, were noticeably just going straight to rejected. Uh, and that her voicemail was full. So it's like when you turn your phone off and you go straight to the voicemail. Yeah. So her phone was off. And it was nowhere to be seen. All her stuff was there, even her keys, except her phone. According to the report, police found Leah Hickman's keys, purse, and packed bags at her apartment. She had actually planned to visit her parents' homes in Point Pleasant area for break. So she was packed up, ready to go. Um, police said they reached out to Leah's cell phone provider since it was being treated as a missing person. And from the cell phone telephone, uh, the cell phone telephone company? Jesus. <clears throat> from the telephone company, they re received Leah's cell phone records and they called every number that was unfamiliar. An effort that turned up absolutely nothing suspicious, but it did help get the word out. So if they called and they're like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, I went to school with Leah. And they're like, okay, just making sure. Also, she's missing. That's essentially how they did that. Um, so I did get out the word to Leah's group of friends that she had disappeared. So everyone was on the lookout. People were making MySpace posts and stuff because MySpace was still a thing. Yeah. Um, the last phone call that was made by Leah was to a friend at about 5.40 p.m. on Friday. There was nothing noteworthy about the call, just Leah saying, hey, I'm going to McDonald's, I'm getting food through the drive-thru, that's it. And then when they got to the apartment, they realized there was wrappings and a receipt from her meal that was found in the, the trash, which coincided. So that call took place while she was in the drive-thru. That's all they have left. All right, so, so now she I... did make it home and she did eat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I got to the apartment... And she had, um, I think she had a burger wrapper, and they showed a picture of it, like the bright yellow wrapper, mm -hmm. in the garbage can with her receipt that was time-stamped for 540. Okay. And then her telephone record lined up with it, and they called her, and she's like, oh, she was in drive-thru, and then she made it home. Yeah. So, all right, so then I had to kind of, like, dig through interviews, I had to dig through news articles, dig through web sleuths, dig through everything, and I created this timeline the best that I could, because there's nothing about her. Mm-hmm. So, because it's a small town, unsolved murder. So, all right. So, I wrote a timeline, and I hope to God it's right. <laughs> so, here we go. We start with Friday, December 14th. Early in the morning, Leah and her sister went to the mall, and they went shopping before Jessica had to go to work at noon. Then after that, Leah had spoken to her mom on the phone, and they discussed her coming home for the holidays and visiting. Her mother said she would promise, I'll call you back later. And then her mom would later report that when she did call back as normal, it went to voicemails and that Leah seemed completely normal and just super excited about the holidays. So nothing suspicious was on the phone call. Leah didn't show any distress. Mm -hmm. So at this point, nothing's happening. So then at 1.56 PM, Leah comments on her friend Kim's MySpace and just said, Hey hon, how's your finals go? Okay. Three o'clock, Leah spoke to her dad on the phone. She had just received her grades and she was so excited that they were good. She was very happy, very proud of herself. She had talked about how she missed her dad and was looking forward to seeing him when she came home. 
So when people like throughout the, well, at first they thought she was running away mm-hmm. before they knew anything. Does this sound like somebody who just ran away? No. No. Okay. All right. So 3.30, uh, Leah's sister returned to the apartment on her lunch break. Jessica, her sister, reported that she was, once again, Leah was still boasting about how excited she was about her grades and that she was just packing her bags for the trips. Yeah. At 4 o'clock, when Jessica was going to leave, Leah was actually washing dishes. Um, They shared a couple details from her new college schedule, and then Jessica left and went to work. 5.40 p.m., Leah grabbed food at McDonald's. The receipt was found in the trash. The call confirmed this. Leah went back to the apartment, and she did eat because there was no food, just wrappers. So... 6 p.m., it's believed that, and this is this is more like a couple people said it, but I went through the crime scene photos. 6 p.m., it's believed that Leah was about to go actually go to the common laundry area room in the apartment to wash laundry. And the reason why I say that is when they went into the apartment, she had baskets of laundry by the door. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like you're gathering your laundry to wash it. Because when Jessica left the apartment, there was no laundry gathered. So yeah. it says, oh, I'm going to do my laundry before I leave to go to my dad's or my mom's. So there was a bunch of laundry there, and then that's it. Unknown time after 6 p.m., Leah's mother and two friends called Leah's phone that evening and went straight to voicemail. At this point, she's vanished. Saturday, December 15th, in the morning, the mother tried to call Leah again, but her call was greeted by Leah's voicemail, which is being full. And that was completely out of character for Leah, because Leah was very prompt. She always returned phone calls. She never left her voicemail unlistened to, so it never got full. Saturday at 1 p.m., her sister went back to the apartment and called her mom and said, Hey, I'm going to check on Leah. Uh, She found all of Leah's stuff there, along with the McDonald's wrappers in her bags. Um, Saw that the receipt was in the trash. And the the door nearest the laundry room was slightly open. Um, so where was she all that time? Her sister. So, all right, she actually, and I was going to get to it later, but I can tell you now. She went to work and then decided after work she was just going to crash with her boyfriend. Which okay. she did it all the time. Okay. It was like a weekend. Yeah. They didn't have That's school. what I figured. Yeah, she just went to her boyfriend's. And then, she, like I said, she just assumed, I haven't heard from Leah, maybe Leah's hanging out with friends. Yeah. Um, so the door to the laundry room was open. So in this apartment building, it had like four apartments. Um, and there was a shared common room laundry room that... Everyone had an access to through, like, a back door. Mm-hmm. So that back door was kind of open, which also leads to the fact that she was probably going to do laundry. All right, so um, Jessica also noted that the apartment was locked from the inside and mm. the bathroom light was on. Okay, so how did Leah go missing and the door's locked? Unless, and her keys are there. But the, but the laundry room door is open mm-hmm. and other people in the apartments have access to that. We'll get to that. Um... She, sister Jessica made a post on Leah's MySpace, just said, oh, sister, where are you? Yeah, I don't know. I guess if you're trying not to raise, like, people, make people scared, you would be, like, whimsical. You know, like, I hope you're okay. Just, oh, sister, where are you? I don't think she's going to be like, you're missing, where the fuck are you? Because yeah. then everyone's going to panic. And at this point, they hadn't reported to the police because you can't report somebody missing for, like, what is it, 24 hours? 24 or 48 even. Yeah. So. so and still at this point, she still could have just been. Hanging out with a friend. It's but weird about, where are her yeah. keys? Why are her keys in the apartment? Her car was outside. Yeah. It's, the whole thing is really weird at this point. Mm-hmm. So 5 p.m., Leah was scheduled to show up to work at the barn and just didn't show up. No call, no show. Um, now, like I said, I was going to say, I know you're wondering why her sister hadn't reported her missing, but it was because after work on Friday, she just went to her, her boyfriend's apartment for the weekend. But yeah. that's not out of character for Jessica. She did it all the time. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so Sunday, we skipped to Sunday, December 16th, 4.48 p.m. So Leah Hickman's mother, Sherry Russell, who's from Leon, West Virginia, filed a missing report person's report to the Huntington Police Department. Authorities begin to investigate Hickman's disappearance. All right, so nothing happens again until Monday, December 17th. 7.30 a.m., Leah Hickman's friend, Roger Parker, of Proctorville post a message on Hickman's MySpace page informing the friends that she's missing and asking anyone with information of her whereabouts to please contact him or their mutual friend Caitlin Starkey um, and then friends started typing up and like posting flyers around town and putting them on the phone poles. Nothing happens Tuesday. Wednesday December 19th Jessica Vickers her sister is interviewed by MSNBC concerning her sister's disappearance and other national media began to carry the stories of the incidents. So now she's going nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 a.m. that morning, police searched Leah Hickman's neighborhood, searching abandoned houses and interviewing sex offenders in the area looking for any new evidence. So if you're not from West Virginia, Huntington has a ton of abandoned properties. But yeah. So does like Charleston and Morgantown. They, they're all like boarded up where at one point they were used as a meth lab mm-hmm. and they're damaged from the inside to the point they can't be rented out. So yeah. they just board them up and then, then you get squatters. Because mm-hmm. do you remember that squatter that was across the street from my house and blew up in the meth lab and that was on fire at like 3 a.m.? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, um, we all we hear is boom. And then a couple people run out the back door in their underwear. And they're just flames. Yeah, so around here, it's normal to have boarded up houses. So they were checking on the houses. Maybe she's inside of one of them. So nothing comes of it. They check the sex offenders. Um, Then West Virginia State Police and Huntington Police spent an hour searching the buildings and homes around the 400 block of 8th Avenue where she lived. Nothing came up. A number of the houses in the area were abandoned, and officers were paying particular attention to these structures. Two supervisors with the detective bureau were spearheading the investigation. They came as the neighborhood looking for any clues that can lead them to where Leah was on this Wednesday. They searched alleys, yards, abandoned homes, anything. Talked to anybody they came in contact with. Nobody has seen her. There was a $10,000 reward from her employer, the Dress Barn. The money was to be given to anybody who had any information that might help That's her locate. That's nice of them. They, well, yeah, and I was like, most places won't do that, but they cared. She'd West only Virginia, been there. Man, West Virginia family. They, she'd only been there six months, but yeah. they treated her like that. And it's like, right now, everybody's closing because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And everyone's opening their houses to feed kids who don't have school. Yeah. Because some parents can't afford it. West Virginia comes together hard in times of tragedy. Yeah. All right, so then they brought a bloodhound dog into um, into the house, and then they tracked her scent, but it went dead in the driveway. Hmm. And that could just be where she went out to get food. Yeah. Exactly a week after Leah went missing on Friday, December 21st, police found the body of a young adult female matching the description of Leah Hickman in the crawl space of her apartment building at 5 p.m. that day. So underneath. So it's in the, in the basement's... <sighs> The shared laundry room is kind of like how this is a basement. So it's a basement that was converted, and there's a crawl space, but it's not like a crawl space under. It's one of the above crawl spaces where you have to look up. Yeah. So you wouldn't even know it was there. But they did find her body in the crawl space. It was uh, it was in the connected common room, common laundry room. Police for, uh, forensic teams examined the body in the crime scene for evidence. The body, body was wrapped in plastic but fully clothed. Hickman's apartment was on the second floor. Um, so this would be, I guess, considered the first. Police say the crawl space was accessible to any apartment in the building. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see you're like, who is it? 
Um, and I also read that the crawl space was about 18 inches to 24 inches by 36. So it's not a big... Yeah. Yeah. So forensic investigators began concentrating on the basement laundry area of the apartment building where they discovered the body. It was stated that the apartment was actually being renovated at the time, so there was plastic available all throughout the building, which hence why she was wrapped in plastic. Um, and it, the plastic she was wrapped in was contractor plastic. So it was somebody in that building took that plastic. Yeah. They left the body in the crawl space to preserve the crime scene. They didn't touch her. And investigators removed her body um, around 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon. So she was found on Friday. And they didn't mm -hmm. touch her for 24 hours. Oh, this one sucks. <laughs> so she's, her poor body was in there for 20 hours that's, after they discovered her. That's kind of I weird, isn't it? I get you don't want to touch anything because you don't, but I don't, I've never really heard of them leaving Leaving a, body. a dead body. But I feel like Huntington isn't equipped. They don't have like a homicide detective scene. Like, so they're probably waiting for people who are actually trained for this to come in and remove her body so they didn't damage any evidence. Yeah. Um, so on Monday morning, the police finally positively ID'd her body as Leah. Someone had strangled her and concealed the body in the laundry room in the apartment building. There were no signs of sexual assault, though. And it appeared that Leah had been dead since December 14th when she went missing. Ugh. And, like, if she wasn't sexually assaulted, then why was she killed? Usually, murders like that are either sexually motivated or personal. So, if she was strangled, doesn't that seem pretty personal? Somebody had to know her. Somebody quickly hid that body, too. You mm. know what I mean? Like... Well, why would you, if, I don't know. I feel not like that it, quickly, because if she was last seen, like, at 540, and nobody went back to the apartment until, like, Saturday or Sunday, they had hours. I know, but I feel like to just stash the person underneath of their, where they live is not, like, somebody who's, like, a trained killer, because why would you... No, it's not a hitman, yeah. Yeah, well, I know, What if but it's like, sending a personal message? I don't know. I get to that where I think somebody did it. To, to make a message. You'll see. You'll be like, oh, girl, I get into this. This is, okay. yeah, I got, I got so deep. I spent hours on like web sleuths and like be like, do you know this person? <laughs> All right. So she'd been dead the whole time. Police started interviewing previous tenants from way back. The landlord, maintenance people, the mailman, anyone who has entered this building any time in the past. Yeah. Because the crawl space, you wouldn't know it was there unless you lived there or you worked there. So yeah. this had to be somebody who either lived in the building or visited the building or worked in it. So you could not even see it? That, that's why they didn't Does find it have her. like a door or something? I guess it, it was like a little thing, but it's up top. Yeah. And if they were in there searching the, the building before, they didn't see it. She was yeah. there already. Yeah. So you have to know it's there. Mm -hmm. And I bet you somebody's like, you know, there's a cross space. So you should go look. And that's how they found it. Yeah. So this had to be somebody who knew this apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just some random stranger off the street who's like, oh, hey, there's a chick. Because you had to know the building. Huh. I know. Isn't it weird? It's eerie. Yeah. Okay. And she had no enemies. So here we go. Sergeant Johnson, one of the investigators, stated... Um, we started at the basement and worked our way up. There were absolutely no tips. It came to our forensic guys and different types of search to lead to the body. They even called in the FBI and worked hand-in-hand hand to try to locate a suspect. Police department believed that Leah Hickman was strangled as a part of a targeted attack carried out by somebody familiar with the layout of the apartment. Leah's employer, the dress barn, offered Leah's family the $10,000 they originally put up as a reward to help pay for her funeral. Aww. 
Yeah. Small town family, man. So according to the police theory, it indicated that her death was not a random act, but was carried out by somebody who knew her, knew the apartment, had to be some an inside job, I guess would be the best word. So the building she lived in had four apartments, each with access to where she was found. Two apartments were vacant, and the other renter was out of town, and the alibi was confirmed, and it couldn't have been anybody who lived in the apartment at the time. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Weird. Police seized Hickman's laptop and took Leah's car as well and processed everything for evidence. Nothing came up. Her missing cell phone has, and to this day, has not been found either. And I talked to a friend who, like I said, knew Leah, was friends with Leah's family and friends and stuff. And they think that the person who took it, took it because Leah could have... It was a little flip phone that was, like, bedazzled with jewels because it was 2007. Yeah. And she said maybe she flipped it open and snapped the photo. And the killer was like, oh, hell no. And then took it and threw it in the Ohio River. And they're not going to drain a river for a cell phone. Yeah. So, honestly, at this point, it's probably at the bottom of the Ohio River. Police did receive some criticism, especially on the internet, for not finding Leah's body sooner, which is probably when I said the dogs were there. Yeah. I saw your face. You're like, then why the hell did they not find her? <laughs> some asked why the canine units didn't find her when they used to search the apartment building. So the police stated that the use of canine is not a perfect science, but it also depends on the age of the scent and the existing and conflicting spells. smells. For instance, a laundry room would give off a lot of smell yeah. because it's a laundry room. Also, the National Weather Service said the overnight low temperatures between Hickman's death and the discovery was 17 degrees to 37 degrees. So she was frozen. So she didn't decompose. The cold temperatures could have affected victims' decomposition. And the canine's success could be affected by the lack of the decomposition. Also, um, I wonder, and this is my personal, her being wrapped in plastic might have something to do with it. I mean, when it, it could keep the smell in, well, it's that, cold. Well, that, and if it's in the ceiling, I mean, dogs usually go low when they sit. I know that they can sit high, too, but it'd be harder to smell up high, also. And if she's frozen, yeah. and she's not decomposing, and she's wrapped in plastic. Yeah, and in a laundry room that smells like laundry. Yeah, so there's, like, people were criticizing them, but I get it. I mean, it's not a perfect science. These mm-hmm. are dogs. Like, all right, so here we go. I, um... I created my own list of suspects based off of everyone on the internet. And then I also proved why it couldn't be them by seriously the simplest of just Googling where that person was at the time. Hmm. Yeah. So here we go. Here's my first and favorite, which is obviously it probably can't be, but this one excites me. The first one that people threw out was the serial killer. Israel Keys. Yeah, you tell me about that. <laughs> After doing research on the serial killer and I listened to true crime bullshit, um, it doesn't fit his style very much. But Israel abducted in one state, typically killed in another, and then disposed of the, of the body in the third. But you you kind of blew that one out for me when you're like, no, the Koenigs. Samantha Koenig was killed, disposed of, and everything in the same area. And then there was the that Couriers. That older couple, yeah. Yeah. They were found in their basement. But, no, they were found in a, an abandoned, abandoned basement. basement. yeah. So, but at the same time, the idea that Israel would kill somebody and dispose of them in the same area. Didn't his timeline kind of fit? So, here's where I got this. Leah's, um was taken, killed, and disposed of all in her apartment. People keep in a speculation just because, and here's where it is. Keys flew to Indianapolis, Indiana on December 4th, 2007. He rented a car, and he drove 537 miles on the car's odometer. So when he checked it in, they knew that he drove it, 537. His, and then he subsequently, the word that I can't say, he 
then subsequently yeah i said a, a word right for oh my god you did it <laughs> all right he flew back to anchorage on uh the 16th of december 2007 so here we go indianapolis indiana to huntington west virginia is roughly 261 miles which is just under round trip half would be 537 yeah keys drove farther to commit crimes and he was Within the area at the time of the murder. I mean, to me, it doesn't fit, but it's also not unlikely. Did he have any other murders in that time? No. Hmm. So, I mean, she might have been the one that... Because he drove further. He drove way further for other ones. It and doesn't really fit him, though. No, it doesn't fit his M.O., but at the same time, there's nothing to be accounted for where he, what he was doing with yeah. that 537 miles. So, it's, I mean, obviously, here's the thing. When people come, when it comes to serial killers, everyone wants to think that if it's an unserved murder and it fits that serial killer, it's got to be that serial killer. Because nobody wants to think that there's a bunch of murderers yeah. running out there. Yeah. So we do, like, anybody who went missing in the time of Ted Bundy, everyone wants to think it was Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get it, but it doesn't fit Israel Keys. But God, if that's not a fun one to mess around with. Yeah. I was like, ooh, timeline. And then I was like, ooh, mileage. And then I was like, Indianapolis to, to Huntington. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like, after I was done, it was like, round trip. If he made no stops, it was like 530 miles. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. So, but it's unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah. And he never, ever mentioned to West Virginia as being one of his... Yeah. Did he? Oh, yeah. But I thought they thought that was a girl that went missing from the casino. There's a couple in West Virginia. And he mm. loved the Ohio Valley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, hey, maybe. I don't know. All right. So here's our, our second slash third... They're a duo that people thought. Chad Fox and Brandon Basham. They were inmates of the Hopkins County, Kentucky jail, where the two cellmates had broken out on November 4th, 2002, and they went on a 17-day crime spree where they were convicted of the murder of Samantha Burns, who went missing on November 11th, 2002. They admitted to her murder, and they even helped search for her, but the body's never been recovered. Until, about a week ago, they found missing (gasps) remains... Uh, they found remains of a, a body about a mile from where her car was found. They're still autopsying the, the remains, but it might be her. Yeah. Um, hello, people. At the time of Leah's murder, they were back in jail. Oh. Like, this is like, everyone's like, I bet it was Chad and Brandon. And I was like, Googling, what happened to Chad and Brandon? They were caught in 2002, and they've been in prison since then. Oh, well. That one blew it out. Yeah. But I was like, but everyone thinks it's them. Simple, like I said, simple Weird. Google. Yeah. But nobody wants to think it's just a random person. It's got to be somebody. somebody that she was close with, you know. Then, of course, there's random contractor or maintenance workers who would be familiar with the building, have access to it, um, use the plastic. There's that. Um, people did throw out Leah's half-sister, Jessica. And here's why. She was the last person to see her alive. So everyone wants to think the last person to see somebody alive has got to be guilty. Yeah, of course. But that's bullcrap. Yeah. Don't base it just on that. Also, people are like, she didn't grieve right. You don't know how people grieve. Yeah. You just don't. Everybody so, does it differently. But it's like, also, they did DNA testing. So they would have been able to t- to take her out of the equation pretty quickly. Yeah. So I feel like if it was her DNA match, that would be over with. Mm-hmm. So people just want to spread gossip. I get it. I do. But to me, this isn't the place. Just because she saw her last. I'm so not... imagine grieving your sister and then also have people thinking that it was you that did it. Ugh. She also knows about it. She reads the message yeah. boards. Like, she's aware and she's upset about it. And she's like, this sucks. I yeah. get it, but it sucks. Yeah. But like I said, the DNA recovered from her body would have pretty much count her out. 
The first thing the police do is interview family and close friends and test their DNA. Yeah. That's it. So they would have known right away, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then there was the half-sister's boyfriend in 2007. They're no longer together. But the reports that the boyfriend had an injured arm after Leah's disappearance threw everyone. They were like, his arm was injured. Maybe it was from lifting her body in the crawl space. Oh I know. This, I'm telling you, these gossip forums were ridiculous. But here's the one that I liked, and it does work for me. The half-sister had an ex-boyfriend. You remember the one that was deployed and she mm-hmm. broke up with him and Leah took his place? Yeah. All right. So it was rumored that Leah was afraid of him. Uh, he had previously lived in the apartment. He knew about the crawl space and the layout. And Leah had moved in after he was deployed. And he blames Leah for Jessica dumping him. So he was angry. And then all his belongings were moved to the basement. He actually asked Leah to store them in the crawl space. And instead, Leah was like, no. If you, come, you either come get them or you don't. And she threw them out. And that made him really mad, too. So he blamed her for breaking up their relationship and then not keeping his stuff in the crawl space. So what if he was like, if you wouldn't put my stuff in the crawl space, I'm putting you in the crawl space. Hmm. He, and he knew the apartment layout. He lived there. And yeah. he, had, he hated her. They fought a lot, too. Hmm. To me, that's like so far, that's the most solid. He has a motive. He knows the place. He was in town at the time. He was in town? His deployment was over. Huh, I don't know. That's not enough, but... No, obviously, no, but... But I wonder if he was... The police had to have checked him out, right, or no? They said that they had a strong suspect, but nothing that was solid enough to make an arrest, so... Hmm. And then, of course, um, there was rumors that Leah might have been having, which I think is just small-town gossip bullcrap, she may have been having an affair with a police officer who killed her and then slept in her on the rug. But that's, once again, small-town gossip. There's nothing yeah. to point that she was having an affair with anyone. Yeah. It's just people love that conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And then the final suspect was just, I don't know, maybe a homeless guy did it. But yeah. they wouldn't know the layout unless sure. that person was squatting in the basement. But I think if they were squatting in the basement, people wouldn't notice. Yeah. But, I mean, it's very, like, at this point, it's kind of thin. You don't have a lot to go off. And police won't release any information because it's technically an active, ongoing case to this day. Yeah. All right, so I've got some information here from, like, an interview with the father in December 14th, 2010. So it had been three years. Um, Quote, there are happy moments, and then when I get away from everyone, there's just a big crash, and I remember my baby. Aw. Um, and then there was a... Uh, that's been the heart-wrenching routine for Ron Hickman nearly every day for the last three years at this point, since she's been murdered. He said it's still very tough, and she was very special. There's a fine line between disappointment and anger. And for Ron, every day is a struggle, a struggle to relive the memories while comprehending that it's reality. The one thing he knows, and I quote, is, I'm going to continue to fight justice for my baby until my last breath. Mm. Wherever Ron Hickman is in Huntington, he drives to the apartment where his daughter was last found, and he sits outside in his car, and he stares at the building, and his license plate reads, Leah's dad. <gasps> and he just prays. Oh, I'm crying. I talked to somebody who knew her, and he was like, she was the apple of his eye. Like, yeah. he was married to Leah's mom, and Leah's mom had a kid, but this was his first and only child, so this was his world. Yeah. Um. Since Leah's death, Ron has met with other parents who have lost children and attends a yearly memorial cer- ceremony in Huntington for those who lost loved ones to violent crimes. He said he's become friends with the father of another, one of the four teen members that went was murdered on the prom night in Huntington in 2005. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Kind of. The four 
kids were like just randomly murdered on prom night. Yeah. Yeah. So he made friends with one of their parents and they help each other cope. So Leah's mother, Sherry Russell, wears a necklace with Leah's photo in it. She also wears a memory bracelet on her wrist. I said bracelet. I meant to say bracelet. She remembers her daughter as the selfless and full of love. Leah volunteered to do dishes anytime she came home to visit her and that her mother uh, called her almost every day and every conversation included at some point, I love you, mom. Mm-hmm. She always hugged me. And even if she had been gone for an hour, she came back to my house and hugged me even tighter. She kissed me on the cheek and then turned her cheek to me and point at it for me to kiss her back. Aww. I know these parents. <laughs> so then we're moving to an interview with officer on to the, uh, December 14th, 2011. So now we're four years for Huntington Police Lieutenant John Williams, bringing Leah's Hickman murder to justice is about justice is about as much more. It's more than just the job. He quoted, first and foremost, there's not a cold case that's up on the shelf that no one's doing anything about. So in, in his words, I guess in Huntington, there's no such thing as a cold case. There's just cases that are harder to solve. I don't know. Because, um, I mean, you guys, Huntington is very small. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds big to us here, but when you're out of state, Huntington is tiny. It's- very small. Well, it's not actually on a shelf. Hickman's name is prominent in the unsolved homicide board that Williams still sees above his desk. So he's, it's still his like main thing. Williams developed and still has persons of interest, but since it's an ongoing case, he will not release any names. Ex-boyfriend. <laughs> um, we have our suspicions, but until we get evidence, we can't make a concrete case against anyone. So, and that's how it is. It's like, they can literally be like, I know it's this person, but if they can't bro- prove it, bring it to a, a jury and get a a solid conviction, then there's no point in arresting them. Because if they take them to court yeah. and the, they acquit him, they could literally find a video of this person murdering them and mm-hmm. they double jeopardy. They can't try them for the same crime. So, I wonder if familiar DNA will... So, since... Uh, stop jumping ahead. Sorry. <laughs> since Hickman's murder, no one has lived in the apartment um, where she lived. In fact, no one's ever lived in the entire building. And the the guy said he'll probably never rent it out again. Aww. The clock is ticking on Leah Hickman's case. Every time a test is done, a small piece of DNA evidence is used and gone forever. Yeah. Even though Leah wasn't forgotten, it seemed like her murder had been pushed aside to the back of everyone's mind. Until... Her murder was brought again when somebody in 2014 vandalized her apartment building. They hmm. spray painted who killed Leah Hickman. And then everyone started to be like, yeah, who the hell killed Leah Hickman? <laughs> so like, and her dad even interviewed and I didn't put this in, but he was like, look, I appreciate your guys' concern, but please don't vandalize somebody's property. Yeah. He's like, I do appreciate now people are asking questions again, but like, let's not do it that way. But yeah, and I have a picture of it and I'm going to put it up. It literally is just big spray painted who killed Leah Hickman in the worst handwriting you've ever seen. <laughs> I'm pulling it up now because I want to show you before we post it. Because I, I watched a documentary that somebody made, like a YouTube documentary because it's small town. Yeah. And look, see, wait, it's actually whitelist. <gasps> who killed Leah Hickman? Right big as the apartment building. Oh, wow. And they still don't know who it was either. Um, okay. So... As of twenty of December fourteenth, twenty fifteen, DNA evidence was sent to a laboratory in Phoenix, one of the only four in the United States that tested mitochondrial DNA. But those results neither confirmed nor de- de- denied any of the leads that the police were looking at. Terry Finger, the director of the Marshall University Forensic Science Center, said there are essentially two types of DNA located in the human cells. I'm sure you know about it, but I'm going to say it for people who don't. 
The primary is just nuclear, which um, you inherit from your mother and your father, and that's what most labs test. The other is mitochondrial, which you had asked about, that is inherited only from your mother. Uh, Fenger said that the benefit of this testing is it's actually more resilient than nuclear DNA, but the mitochondrial DNA testing were completed, but Leah Hickman's homicide investigation remains unsolved despite the best efforts of the law enforcement. No additional tests are currently underway, but his department is prepared to move forward with any additional analysts at some time in the future. So they're just waiting for testing to get better or for a new type of uh, technology to come forward where we can test something new. Familiar DNA. Well, I think that they're going to try that. Yeah, but it probably, it probably, number one, costs a ton of money. And number two, there's pro- there's not a lot of places that do it. So a no. small town like this, getting probably that not. is going to be hard. And like, where is the DNA coming from? Did they get it under her finger? They never said where the DNA is coming from. Uh, they won't yeah. release it. So it's like, did she fight and scratch? And did get they it find her- something? What- on her body where yeah. she was choked? Like, we don't know. They won't give out information. And I think it's because if they catch somebody, they want those mm-hmm. details so that they can make sure it's actually them. Yeah. Um, police say that further breakthroughs in forensic science and technology may one day finally make an arrest, but that's one of the pieces we're hopeful might happen in the evidence we've collected that maybe someday have an outlet and may, may someday have a mechanism to test, said Chief Joe Cicerelli. Um, right now, it's, a tradi- it's just traditional police work. We're going to continue to move forward in that vein. Um, so Leah's father said that these anniversaries are always painful and they never get easier and that he prays for a miracle that will break the case and he'll finally have some sort of closure for his baby girl. Um, the chief says they continue to encourage anyone with information to come forward. As of 2016, it's reported it's still technically an active investigation and they have been investigating ongoing re- relative to the case for the last few months. Analysts say the DNA evidence collected should last up to 40 years. So as long as they don't keep using it, yeah. they'll have it. Since how much they have. They won't tell us. Yeah. Since her passing, they started a school of journalism, journalism and mass communication scholarship in Leah Hickman's name. And um, I'm asking anyone with information about Hickman's death is encouraged to please call the department's criminal investigation bureau at 304-696-4420. And that is the unsolved case of Leah Hickman. Sad. Yeah. And it's hometown kind of. And makes I really hope that they come. Or maybe somebody listening knows something and says something. Like, yeah. But at this point, it doesn't look like it's going to be solved unless we have a breakthrough of testing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you hadn't heard, you've heard about it, but you didn't know anything. Because right? it was like when she went missing. Everyone on MySpace and Facebook were posting about it. I didn't live here. I didn't either. But I, like, Googled her name. Mm-hmm. Well, not Googled her name. I went into Facebook where you can search, and I put Leah Hickman. She didn't have a Facebook, so I knew it wasn't going to pop one up because she has a MySpace. But then it showed anybody who posted, and the first thing it does is show any of your friends. Mm-hmm. I had a ton of friends who were, like, just starting on, on Facebook who were posting, like, if anybody sees her, this is what she looks like. There's your picture. Yeah. So, and then I'm going to post pictures of her because I, d- I did watch, like, um... Just, like, little true crime YouTube documentaries. Some people in town were talking about it, and they're showing. And there's not a lot of photos of her out, because there was no reason to. Mm -hmm. And it was MySpace, so it's not like Facebook where photos are everywhere. So I had to, like, take screenshots within the documentary. Yeah. But it works. And there's the apartment building. So I'm going to post those. But, yeah. And then I've got her gravestone. Do you have the documentary? So it was just, like, 
Who Killed Leah Hickman. Okay. That's it. And then there's a podcast called, but I feel like the name is a little rough. Who Put the Body in the Crawl Space? I've seen, uh, I think I, I saw that somewhere. I was like, a little on the nose there, but I get it. Yeah. I was like, who put her body in the cross? I just felt like that was kind of insensitive. But at the same time, I'm insensitive, so you can cut that out or you don't. Um, her grave is in Point Pleasant, and I was thinking about when I go up there in May for Mothman, I might stop by and put something on her. Because yeah. now I feel really attached because I did all this like deep diving into her life. Because mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's not like I can go on Murderpedia or Wikipedia or anything. I had to literally go through her MySpace, uh, interviews with her family, news articles from like WZAS or SAZ and stuff like that, or interview people I knew who went to college with her at the same time. So now I feel like this weird connection with her that I'm like, now when I go up there, I'm probably going to put like a flower for her and let her know that. I'm not going to let people forget about her. That'd be very nice. I'm I'm trying not to cry. Because <laughs> it's like, I feel like she doesn't, she deserves, she deserves to be heard of. Stop it. You're I'm sorry. And Small town stuff is just like, it's hard you might hear about personal. it once and then it's gone. And it's like, it's like, we've, I've drove near her apartment before. I didn't know. And I went to the mall that she went at the last day she went missing and I feel like nobody knows. And no, it's not that nobody cares. It's just there's not. Nobody's here to tell her story. Yeah. It was big when she disappeared. MSNBC and stuff. And now it's like, what, 2007? How long is that? What are we, in 2012? We're in 2020? <laughs> oh, Jesus. So. 13 years ago? Is it only 13? Yeah. yeah. So it's been 13 years. It's obviously nobody's really thinking about it anymore. Yeah. Except her friends. Mm-hmm. So if we can get people to notice her. And like I said, I want to go to her grave and be like, I'm going to try to help. I put the phone number. I hope somebody calls. Your dad deserves some closure, damn it. Yeah. And then I want to hug her dad. <laughs> like, he's not like my dad would be the same way. Like, I'm not stopping till it's over. Yeah. And I think any dad would be. Yeah. Well, some. But her dad is like, that was her, his everything. Mm-hmm. That was his princess, his only daughter, like. That was his entire world, but I want to go to her grave and put something there. Let her know that we care about her. Yeah, that'd be sweet. And that I don't know her, but I feel like I do. Yeah. And that we could be cousins. <laughs> that you look alike. We do kind of look alike. It's you really do. eerie. Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm destroyed internally and so sad. Are you ready for the light over the stove? To... I'm ready. Okay, because that was pretty dark mm-hmm. and I cried. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everybody. Are you going to start to realize I cry a lot? <laughs> I'm overly sensitive, but de- sensitive, but don't mistake that for softness. I'll still punch you. <laughs> don't don't mistake my sensitivity for softness. All right. So for my light over the stove, I thought, and we're gonna just say I did it for research purposes and not for recreational purposes. But I went to porn videos and found the funniest like reviews or comments that I could find and screenshotted it so that we're gonna read some of these to see how ridiculous people are. All right, so my first one's really lame, okay? Somebody commented on this video <laughs> that says, Hey, does anyone know how to find tangent lines? Somebody commented back, Find y-coordinate by plugging in the given x point into your original equation. Use mt equals. <laughs> so they want math help. Yeah, on on the porn. porn. They're like, wow, let me, let me just kill two birds with one wank. Uh, and- yeah, they're like, <laughs> you know what? These lesbians make me think about doing math. <laughs> 
Because she looks like a Y and she looks like an X. And now that I think about it, I have homework to do. <laughs> so here's another one, just on a random video. Can someone please make, um, help me make a nice lasagna for my niece's seventh birthday party? I can't get the noodles to stop sticking together. What are they doing in this porn that's making you think of noodles? Because if it's making you think of noodles, it's probably not doing the right thing, right? That's so weird. I wonder if that was somebody's grandma who, like, I don't know. I don't know how you end up there, though. I don't know. The, the accidental share button and you're like, your grandma's like, what is this? Maybe they need to know how to do lasagna. Okay. Here's another one, and this one's probably my favorite so far. Somebody commented on this video. I just want you to know there's a dog at 7 minutes, 14 seconds, 8 minutes, 16 seconds, and 10 minutes and 11 seconds. A dog? They time-stamped time a dog appearing in the video. <laughs> so I just imagine this little dog in the corner, and it's like, and then it just leaves, and somebody's like, dog! <laughs> it's like, you know the car game Zitch Dog, where you're like, Zitch Dog? Nope. How I Met Your Mother does it. Okay, well, whatever. They're like, they're like Zitch Dog! Eight minutes and 14 seconds, and they write it down like somebody's going to really want to know this. <laughs> so here's another one. I'm going to show you a picture. It's a guy holding, he's pretending to be a doctor, and a chick's clearly pretending to be a patient. Mm -hmm. And he's holding the stethoscope to her chest. Yeah. But it's around his neck. And somebody comments, uh, the stethoscope isn't even in his ears. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you listen to, bro? <laughs> um, here's another one. I'm curious. Does anyone know, did they ever get the pizza in the video? I guess it started with they were ordering a pizza. Oh, my gosh. Somebody commented, the pizza guy was busy getting laid on his next delivery instead of showing up. I watched that video right after this one. <laughs> Somebody else said, now we're asking the real questions. Where the fuck is this pizza? <laughs> um, here we go. Somebody apparently was very interested in what was happening in the video. And they said, I'm sorry, did I hear they say a hot dog was $6 and fries are $5? Forget these videos. <laughs> these prices are insane. <laughs> Like, is that what you're worried about? <laughs> okay, and here's another one. Um, <laughs> I watched a little bit of it. <laughs> they were like, this chick's making cereal, and this guy comes in, and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, eating cereal. And he's like, I got something you can eat this dick, right? <laughs> Whatever. And then somebody comments and says, is anyone concerned her cereal's going to get stale? <laughs> Just a bowl of cereal sitting on the counter, shaking like Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Someone else said, not to be weird, but god damn, that's a nice bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's another one. You know, they like the scenery. Anyone know where I can buy this bed and how much it costs? I really want this bed. <laughs> Somebody else said, I know the keys are from, I, I, uh, I know the covers are from Ikea, so maybe the bed as well. Somebody said, the bed? Do you not see that gorgeous nightstand, too? Why are you not asking about that? <laughs> I read it and thought gorgeous girl was about to say, like, do you not yeah. see that, go they, like, that gorgeous nightstand? <laughs> um, so I think I also did a bunch of, like, comments on sex toys, but I was like, maybe I should do that on another one later. Mm -hmm. unless but yeah, all right, I think that's enough. Okay, um, so do you have a hint for yours? I know you know what you're going to do. Okay, so nobody's going to probably get it, but uh, my, Challenge hint, accepted. my hint is, hmm. <laughs> Your mouth opened and closed rapidly. Like, what is it called when you take a picture from up here? Selfie. No. Oh. Like. An angled selfie. Like, when you're an emo kid. 
emo downward angle camera. Yeah. Downward camera angle. I'm pretty familiar with those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my hint is downward emo camera angle. That That's doesn't do anything Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I think you try to tell me yours and I was like, Jasmine Richardson. And you're like, no. And I was like, oh, that's another emo one. An emo girl, not conforming as could be. Hey, I didn't even say girl. Quit giving away hints. <gasps> Is it a girl? Oh, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said emo person and I was like, Jasmine Richardson, the chick from Canada who said she was dating a 1,200-year-old werewolf yeah. that helped her murder her family. And you're like, yeah. no, but what the fuck is that? <laughs> but, but yeah, so... Nothing. I don't know who you're talking about. Is yeah. it in America? Mm-hmm. Are you... Oh, I was like, are you not going to tell me? All right, let's play 20 questions. Nope. Do they have... I'm not answering. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Instagram, uh, whineaboutmurderpod, mm-hmm. and then email is whineaboutmurder at yahoo.com. Facebook is pretty easy. It's just let's whine about murder. Yep. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We really, 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 really appreciate it. We've gotten three more rates, so we went up to 20. So, hey. Hey. And we got a couple reviews, which were really nice. Mm-hmm. We've actually had people private message us on Instagram and stuff with, like, the most uplifting, beautiful, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. And we're like, really? Because we live for your validation. Like, <laughs> that's not a joke. We really do need you to tell us that you love us. Or we're going to think everyone hates us. And this is just for us. Yeah. Um, And we expanded to a bunch more countries. Because mm-hmm. we went from three countries to nine. Yeah. Nine. And then we jumped up from 500 listens to almost 800 in like two days. Because you promoted the shit out of promoted us. Promoted so fucking hard. And uh, and we just, we've got a ton of new people. Somebody recognized us. Did we talk about that? Can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> somebody might have. Well, then you can delete it if we did. But somebody knows somebody we know and suggested us to somebody who already knows us. Yeah. And the other person doesn't know us. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. I'm like, we're famous. They were like, oh, our favorite podcast is what what were they oh uh like true crime junkie yeah. and let's whine about murder and then this person's like really their face gets really tiny their mouth gets really high and they're like really <laughs> but i mean or like one person in a true crime group was like i need podcasts to listen to while i'm quarantined and i was like so i try to slyly slip us in i was like and that's why we drink my favorite murder morbid um true crime bullshit down the hill delphi murders cold let's whine about murder um, Rodney I'll call the killing ga- dating killer game person and then like three others and she's like I listen to all of them but morbid I was like did you though <laughs> like I don't know you so did you <laughs> yeah and I, I and somebody else was like I need conversational podcasts to listen to and I was like once again my favorite murder <laughs> morbid us and then uh, they're like I listen to all of them but uh, and that's why we drink so give me a good one for me that's why we drink and I'll join in and I'm like once again do you listen to us or are you just not paying attention? Yeah. If that's the case, how many people are really listening to us? Yeah. I know that our statistics aren't 100% correct. They can't Oh, be. God, no. So there's probably more out there than we think. Hi. Maybe. Because it's like one person will be like, I'm listening right now. And then like three days later, it'll pop up and say that they're there. Like yeah. this country. So I don't know. Either way, we do love it when you guys tell us that you love us or mm-hmm. why you love us. Or hell, at this point, how the hell did you hear about us? Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, where are you from and how? Did you Were you scrolling along? Did you Google stupid podcast? <laughs> or, like, inappropriate? What 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 happened? Did, were you looking for a good recipe that uses wine and found us? I mean, 
I Google this all the time to see if anything cool pops up. It's just links to our podcast. <laughs> I'm like, one day there's going to be, it's like I Googled, let's whine about murder. And then it popped up and it was like, two girls are changing the the podcast game one step at a time. And I was like, is that us? It was an article from 2017 talking about my favorite murder. Yeah. I got really excited for half a second. <laughs> Somebody wrote an article. If, if you're a blogger, write an article. <laughs> Oh my god, we'd lose our minds. We would lose our shit. Somebody asked about getting our tattoo, our logo as a tattoo, and like, we about exploded. <sighs> oh, oh my god, I can't even. I love our logo so fucking much. It's so close to me. We should do something. I know. Did, what'd you say? We should make like a goal, and then when we We should hit make a it, pact. If we get like a certain amount of listens or listeners, we'll get it tatted on ourselves. Well, obviously, I have 32 tattoos. I'm not stingy about what I put on my body, so I don't care. I'll do it. I have two it. and one is terrible, so I'm, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I will, that, our logo is black. It could cover yours. You might be able to use it to cover it up. Damn, girl. What? Is That'd that, be so yes, cool. Yes, cover up what we will not talk about. <laughs> and I will cover as I pull my pants down. Ooh. Look at this. This needs to be covered. This will cover that. Yeah. So... So let's let's do it. What do you think? While we're on the podcast right now, what should be our goal? And don't make it like a thousand because we probably will reach that pretty soon. Well, we are we doing listeners or listens? I don't know. I mean, I'm down to go right now and get a tattoo. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, if if we could get a hundred people to rate, review, subscribe, no, that's a lot. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> um, ten thousand listens. We're like. One person tells us they love us, and we'll tattoo it on our mouth. Tell us to go get tatted. Just comment down below of this episode and say, go get the tattoo. Like, when down we post below, photos? And, oh, yeah, for the I'm like, yeah, and then one person's like, do it, and we're like, fuck it, they want us. <laughs> this is it. Give us some pressure, we'll go right now. Honestly, I really would. I like how we're both like, I'll do it if you do it, and you're like, only if you do it, and they're like, you should do it. No, it's stupid, we should do it. We secretly both want to, but we want people to want us to do it. <laughs> and that's not anxiety at its worst. I want us to be semi, like, I don't want to, in 20 years, somebody be like, what's that? A uh, podcast I did for a month, it failed. Uh, everyone turned against us, but it's here, here's my, I made this design, yay. Well, if we don't put, let's white about murder, then it's just a logo. And then True. you could be like, I really like to drink myself to death. <laughs> I mean. That's so true. I mean. As I'm drawing it on my arm. What does it look like right here? We could do it. But, yeah, we should make a goal. Like, everybody will do it if you if, if we hit 10,000. That feels like... How would that even... I don't know. We're almost at 1,000. Well, that, Not yeah. that far. That We've would be only been doing this for what? Like six weeks? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then watch, you're like, we should do it, Dom. And I'm like, Taylor, I'm really sorry. I got really drunk. And I went to a shop... <gasps> And, Podcast over. And then she's like, well, I hope you can laser remove it, son of a bitch, because we're done. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. What happens if we hate each other eventually in the future? So? You've so, already got tattoos of people that you don't like, <laughs> so it's fine. Not that I don't like them. They don't like me anymore. And <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, and that's like multiple. I've got like six. Yeah. You guys, I'm easily influenced into putting- We have already have one that we did together. We do. But yeah. We still love each other. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Like, what? Wait. But they're not matching. But they just happen we did to be it the at the same, same time. We so. did it together, and they're of the same thing, kind of. Shauna got her nose pierced. I saw that. Okay. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Um, 
Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw your your guys's picture, and you had a filter, and I thought you did it too. No. And then it switched nostrils <laughs> <laughs> as you changed the camera angle. It went to another nostril, and then I'm like, oh, it's a filter. Yeah. Well, and she got like a little dot. I thought she was gonna be like right here, septum. No, she got the side, and you can only get the dot. She wants a ring. You can change it to the ring later, right? In eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I still have a scar on my. So okay, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> All right, guys, if you give us 10,000 things, I'll pierce my... I don't know. Okay, anyway. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. So we've got where to listen, what to do, that you love us, blah, blah, blah. Everyone, Taylor cuts all this out, or she does it. This will be fun to see about tomorrow when I wake up and she's done with it. All right. Well, if from uh from us here in quarantine 2020, West wash Virginia, your hands. wash your hands, stay safe, send pepperoni rolls to heaven for Mothman so that he will continue to watch over you. <laughs> Remember, don't cough in somebody's mouth unless you really want to be off of work. <laughs> and most importantly, we will catch, catch you on the sip side. side.